Well, good morning. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't say have a seat. Oh, go ahead. You can have a seat. I'm just messing around. I just don't want to be that predictable, you know. The sermon today in Luke is often called the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, often compared with Matthew's version of it, and Mark has a really short version of the Sermon on the Mount, and and, uh, I think that's fine theologically, I just don't think it's right. Now, I'm not sure that the same sermons, actually. In fact, I don't think that the Sermon on the Mount's one sermon at all. I don't think it is. I I think it's too much, probably. I think what we're hearing from Matthew and Mark and Luke is that we're getting a synthesis of sermons that Jesus preached over and over and over and over and over again. He's calling a people of faithful, non-anxious presence to be for others in their community in the world. And he's, he's teaching his disciples, he's training us what it looks like to be a kingdom person. And so I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have to hear things over and over and over again. And so I think Jesus comes and his disciples gather and he comes and he's, he comes among them, which we talked about last week. He's present with them. And he says, now I got to tell you some really good news about a new kingdom way, a new standard for your lives. And he just does it over and over again. I think Luke and Matthew and Mark, what they're doing is they're taking all of those teachings over and over and over again, and they're synthesizing them down into the nuggets that we need, that the Holy Spirit inspired them to give to us. Theologians and preachers and scholars and writers, in our attempt, yes, our attempt to take new angles on these very familiar messages, try to get cute. We try, to, we try to sound really smart. I'm prone to it, by the way. I oftentimes cut things out of my sermon. I was telling my sister-in-law was here to help us with Living Waters a couple weeks ago, and she said, how are you feeling about your talk? I had to give a talk on one of the sessions. And I said, Alicia, I had to cut all the things out that make me sound smart. How are people going to know that I'm really smart? And Alicia, who was wise... Runs in the family. They said, you know, people don't really respond to smart. What they respond to is your heart. So you can pray for me because today I'm going to share my heart. And really, in sharing my heart, I'm going to share Jesus' heart for us all. His heart for us, for us, towards us, coming and being present with us is a heart of love and mercy. Where there was hatred and unflinchingly rigid law, Jesus offers love and mercy. It is all over the sermons that he preached over and over and over again. Jesus starts this little section, or maybe this sermon, if you will, Love your enemies. Now listen, we hear this so often that we don't get the weight of it. I mean, it's a Jesus, right? Like, here's a guy who was smart and shared his heart and knew how to preach. 
it is an opening line that would have immediately calmed the crowd and captured everybody's attention because it's different than anything they had ever heard. The prevailing thought of the day was, yeah, don't hate somebody back who hates you, right? I mean, don't go out and physically try to hurt your enemy, but you can avoid them. This was the prevailing law of the day. I'm telling you, it's written all over the religious law. It's, it's formed in the negative. The golden rule by the great rabbi teachers was don't repay hatred with hatred. That's very different than do unto others, show others love and mercy like you want to be shown love and mercy. These are very different things. And for Jesus to start with, hey, love your enemies. I'm telling you, the crowd looking for tissues, trying to find a uh, you know, cough drop or a mint, yelling at their kids, would have done this. What? Love your enemies? No, 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 Jesus, avoid your enemies. Like, we get we're not supposed to, like, you know, hate them back, but to love them. And then he uses this phrase, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Another profound statement. Has the same cadence, the same syntax, the same familiarity as be holy as I am holy. Or Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's a weight to these opening sentences of Jesus. I'm calling you to a new standard. A kingdom standard. A standard of love and mercy. We opened Epiphany. I think it was my first sermon. I said that one of the things that we'll be considering throughout Epiphany is the new standard of kingdom living. And today, Jesus is clear about it in no uncertain terms. He's calling his disciples, us, his disciples, to an entirely new way to be human. I'm going to say it again. He is calling us to an entirely new way to be human. To be the image bearers of God Almighty to others. It doesn't fit any other standard of life. It doesn't fit any political platform or any economic system or any social strata. You can't make it match up if you try because it is a kingdom standard. It doesn't fit any other standards. In fact, it supersedes them and comes above them. The new heavenly standard is not to hide in self-protection when you're reviled because you demonstrate and proclaim the love and mercy of the gospel. No, the kingdom standard is to rejoice because you're in good company with those who were persecuted before you. The kingdom standard is not to simply avoid acting out of hate no, it's to do good toward them who hate you. The kingdom standard is not just don't curse those who curse you. No, the kingdom standard is to bless those who curse you. I mean, try to fit that in any other standard of living. It's mind-blowing. 
It's life-changing. It's heart-transforming, taking us from bitterness and anger and judgmentalism and condemnation and turning us toward love and mercy. Why? Because he first loved us. Because he first showed us mercy. What else are a people who were dead in their trespasses and sin? I mean, do you know how many different analogies Jesus uses in his teaching to, show, to tell us how lost we were? In fact, that's one of them. You were lost. I found you. I came to heal the sick. You were sick. You were dead, and I brought you back to life. You were blind, and I brought sight. I mean, he's saying, look, look. You didn't deserve any love and mercy. You were a mess. But I gave it anyway. And now I'm inviting you to do the same. Now, inviting is too nice a word. The language here is not inviting at all. The really word is command. Now I'm commanding you to do the same. Judge not lest you be judged is not a greeting card. Oh, look. Oh, music. Judge not, unless you be judged. Oh, thank you. (laughs) My mom underlines my birthday cards, like the big words. She really takes a lot of time to pick out. I love my mom. She pick, you can tell. Like some people just get box of cards and then let's pull the one off the top and we'll send it to Brian, right? But my mom goes still to like the Hallmark store, if there is such a thing, wherever cards are sold. And I mean, you can just see her standing there reading each card. Oh, I think this means something. And then she underlines the words. Yeah, this is not what Jesus is doing. Judge not, lest you be judged, right? Oh, yeah, judge not. (laughs) Or maybe he is. Last week I said to you when I was sharing some vision with you for our church, I used the airplane analogy that I've been using for a couple of years. Remember I said that, you know, for the last couple of years we've been at that 10,000 foot mark and the plane has kind of slowed down and we've checked all our instrumentation and now we've gotten some new direction and we're beginning to throttle up and go on our way. And we shared some vision with you about place and buildings and mission and some other things. Well, today I'm doing the same thing. But for the last couple of years I've not just been assessing the plane from a vision standpoint or a strategy standpoint Because I love you and I've been called to be your shepherd, I've also been assessing Church of the Apostles from the heart standpoint. I've been asking some questions. What standards are we living by? What do we need as a body of Christ? Where where do we need to grow? And it just so happens that Jesus tells us a few of them that I think are pertinent to us as a community, okay? I see we have some guests today. I'm not going to call you. It was good to see you. I won't say anything. No, no, don't don't wave. Dave and Leah, welcome. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. Yay! No, seriously, welcome Dave and Leah and James. They're here. Yeah. We're going to have some family talk, though. A little family talk today. I just want to talk about three things that Jesus is saying. And the first is this. He says, judge not, lest you be judged. Now, there's actually two different meanings to these words. And this is really important for the rest of our sermon. So I've got to get a little theologically precise with you. Ready? The second judge not, lest ye be judged. The lest ye be judged part, that judgment word in the Greek, same word, but it has a different meaning because of its tense. See, I do sound smart. Yeah, I don't know what tense it is, Jeff. So we're going to stop there, okay? That's where it breaks down. 
But the second judgment is a recognition that Jesus is the judge. That there is a judge. We've talked about this in Epiphany too. That Jesus came to save and to judge. He's the judge. It is God Almighty and his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the triune God who decides who's condemned and who's not, who's judged and who's not, who's right and who's wrong. There is a judge. may sound like bad news. It's really good news. You want to know why? Because we don't have to be the judge. Oh, I don't think you heard it well enough. Only my wife said amen. There is freedom in this. Listen, we do not have to bear the weight of judgment, nor do we have to bear the weight of judging. That is God's alone. I mean, just... And so the first judge not is a different word. You know, Jesus is literally... Now listen, remember, we try to be smart. But these sermons are delivered in the common vernacular, like common plain language, with common speech to ordinary people. That's who Jesus is talking to here. He's not talking to the college professors. He isn't. He's talking to ordinary people, just us. And he is saying, judge not. And here's what, here's what that word means. It means stop with the nitpicking already. Stop with the standard of your life that someone else isn't matching up to when you're judging them against it. Stop with your preferences. Stop with your personal scruples. Stop with your personal system and standard of the world that you're trying to match everybody else up to. Just stop judging. I have a gift for you. Jesus says, I'll do the judging. I got it. You're free. You don't have to do it. It's not for you to do. Now, let me just give you a little side. Let me just do a little rabbit trail for a moment. Because Jesus is the judge, he has already judged what's right and what's wrong. He's clear about this. This is not, the judge not, first part, is not a brother or a sister lovingly come like I am now and saying to us, hey, y'all, I'm seeing some judgmentalism in us. And Jesus says not to do that. So I'm saying, I'm, invite, I'm just going to say to you, don't do that. It's wrong. Like, he's already judged that. I've had to do that personally with people in my pastoral career. Not here yet, and hopefully never, thankfully. But I've had people in the past say, you hurt me. You're one of the pastors that hurt me. I said, well, I'm so, how? I don't want to be that. And by the way, I'm sure I've hurt people before. And so please tell me how that is. And they said, because you, tell, you told me that what I was doing was wrong and I needed to stop. Oh, no, that's love. Because there's a judge. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, you know, I like this. So if you don't like that, I'm better than you. That's what Jesus is saying to stop. You with me? Okay. Well, Brian, what does lest you be judged mean? I don't know. Are you shocked? I got some ideas. But I'm not going to talk about them today. You know why? Because in all three of these things, the second part of the phrase, that's on God. It's not on us. We're not to judge. But because we don't have to have the weight of it, God's got the judgment. 
He's the judge. We can just let it go. We can just let it go. We can just open our hands to all the things we thought were important to us, but don't, don't really matter. And then Jesus moves to the positive, and he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Of course, those of us who are dead and sick and lost and blind and were then rescued and forgiven even in our sin, of course, we're prone to be forgiving people. Of course, we should be. Of course, that's what should happen. Jesus doesn't have to explain why we should forgive. It's implied. I gave you love and mercy. You give it to others. The command of Jesus to forgive is completely reasonable. Amen? It's reasonable. Now, that doesn't make it easy. Forgiving's hard. Here's why it's hard. I want to go back to point A. We want to be the judge. We want to be the condemners. If I can hold somebody in unforgiveness, if I can just keep the offense that they have done against me, if I can hold on to it, then maybe, maybe if I hold on to it long enough, I can get justice for myself. If I keep somebody else on the hook for what they did, then I've got some control over what happens to them for what they did to me. Now, can I say something to you? I have been hurt in my life, and so have you. I've been betrayed, we've been betrayed, and so have you. So is Jesus. I'm talking about real hurts here. I'm not talking about petty things. See, we want, we want justice. We want to be the judge. Just like Jesus is freeing us from the weight of judging, he's also freeing us from the weight of extracting justice for ourselves. I've got the justice part, he says. What you do is forgive. Tamara and I, we've, we've done this listening, healing, inner healing prayer thing that we've talked about a lot. We've done it for a lot of years. I, I say we've done it for 12. She says 15 or vice versa. We've done it for a long time. We've lost count. And in this 15, thanks, Jeff. And in this, and in this time, what happens with people is we get to this point where we invite people to the cross to leave those that they have held in unforgiveness. We've done it ourselves in our own lives, with parents, with kids, with friends who we thought were friends and really weren't. And I gotta tell you something that happens in this moment. You often get in this moment, people just, this is the posture as they start. I think I got that right. They're not, they're, not, they're not being mean to us. They're just like, I'm not doing that. If I let this person off the hook for what they did to me, well, who's going to get the justice for that? No, 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 no. I'm going to keep this person on the hook. And then as the Holy Spirit moves and Jesus woos and invites, you start to see a posture change over time. We have seen some People who really, without, we don't share anybody else's story, but you have to believe me. Tamara and I have often said after hearing people's story, I don't understand how they're walking around. The hurt that's been done against them, I don't get how they can function. 
And these people bravely and with some trepidation come to the cross and forgive the person who really hurt them. And I just got to tell you, it's the closest thing that I've ever seen. Like, it's palpable, the countenance change of someone who forgives. The posture that is this, I mean, their faces lighten. Their hearts brighten. Their speech changes. You know what happens with people who forgive? They're not prone to judgmentalism as much. (laughs) It's amazing. There is really reconciliation for our relationships in Jesus Christ. There really is. We, We can, we must, and I'm inviting you today to lay down areas that you have against somebody else to forgive that person. Yeah, but Brian, they haven't asked for it. Yeah, neither did we. And Jesus was nailed to the cross anyhow. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lastly, Jesus says, give, give. The verb here, give, is actually a continuous verb. It, it is this idea of continuously giving. We're just in a, we're in a posture of generosity all the time. We're giving. So when Jesus says, someone asks you for your coat, give him your shirt, right? It's because we're in a posture of giving. Oh, well, you, you need a coat, but you also need a shirt. I'll give it to you. And this is where we really get greeting cards mixed up. Because you can read this. If you go, you read. And people say, well, Jesus didn't mean that. Really? He didn't mean that we were supposed to be continuously generous all the time? <laughs> really? You, he didn't look at the rich young ruler and say, you got to sell everything that you own because it's in your way? You're greedy? And then take up your cross and follow me? You know, you, you get commentators and they go, well, it was just a state of generosity. Jesus didn't really mean that. I don't know if he means it for you, but he meant it for that guy. That guy knew he meant it. Because he went away sad. This isn't a greeting card. Just like we don't have to bear the weight of being the judge, and we don't have to bear the weight of extracting justice, we also don't have to bear the weight of material measure. We don't have to bear it. And here's how Jesus proves it. Remember, plain talk to ordinary people, so he uses an analogy. It's just great, right? This verse at the end of it. It's worth reading. But I have to find it. Hang on one second. Yeah, it's beautiful at the end of this passage that Jan read. It says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I know we get really nervous about these verses, and with good reason. There are some theologies that have gotten off the rails that said if you just do the right things, if you just manipulate the right people, you can have everything you want. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's not what Jesus is saying. However, there's an unhealthy other end of the spectrum that says, oh, no, 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 you don't have to give. It's okay. Jesus doesn't really mean that by giving and being generous, he's going to multiply that somehow. Also, eh. 
there is a healthy middle here that Jesus is absolutely here saying that generosity generates more generosity, period. And I got to tell you, I have walked with people who are absolutely bound in debt and trying to get their way out of debt. And the first thing that they ask me is, what should I do? And I say, you should start tithing immediately. And they go, why? Will that fix everything? I don't know. But Jesus says you better do it. And people I've walked through that are trying to get out of debt that refuse to be generous, it just eats them up. They can never seem to get ahead of the game. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I don't make promises. I don't, I'm not saying everybody's, you know, whatever. But it starts with generosity. It does. And so Jesus gives this beautiful little analogy. You know, he's, he's actually just giving an analogy. So here's what he's talking about. And by the way, every ordinary person there would get it because when you went to buy grain, you would take a container. You would pay a, pay a flat fee for the size container you brought. I'm giving you this much money that you will fill that container with grain. And so the seller of the grain would pour the grain into it. But listen, if I'm paying by the container, what do I do? I press the grain down to make sure that every corner is full of grain. Then I shake the container to make sure all the grain goes down. Then I step on, no, I don't know, but I mean, I'm just pushing it. And then I give it back to the seller and he tops it off. And I push the grain down. I shake the grain up. And I keep doing this until I'm convinced that there is not one more piece, kernel, I don't know, of grain that can fit in the container. And so everyone's like, yeah, that's what I do. Okay, got it. That's not the remarkable part. They're all like, oh, I'm all ears. Okay, yeah, good. That's what we do. That's giving. Okay, cool. And then Jesus says something amazing. Press down, shaken together. We got that. Running over, dumping in your lap. This is what he means. People were wearing tunics. Good news, I'm wearing a tunic. I can show you what's happening. What Jesus is saying is, I'm the seller. I'm going to let you push it down, shake it up, and I'll keep topping it off. But don't go home yet. Hey, you know, pick up your tunic. Put the, put the container put the container in your tunic. Yeah, put it in your tunic. And, you know, you buy it, you put it in your tunic, and then Jesus does this. Hey, Mary, get a bag! You know, I mean, you just... And the measure you give, it will be given to you. We don't have to bear the weight of being the measurer. It is Jesus that pours the grain. You know, all we have to do is pick up our tunics. Now, I love you. I really do. So happy to be your pastor. I really am. We need to grow in these three areas, church. We do. I'm asking you to consider it this morning. I'm asking you to consider where you have been bearing the weight of judgment. That you've been the judge. That somebody has offended you in a little way and you've just, I, ugh, that has offended my own sensibilities. Jesus is saying, 
You don't have to bear that weight anymore. And he's commanding you to not judge. Lay it down at the cross. It's a hard one. Maybe someone has really hurt you. It's not the petty judging back and forth. That needs to be done with today in our relationships. But maybe somebody has really hurt you. Maybe somebody's sitting right here. And Jesus has good news. You don't have to bear the weight of the justice. You can release that person. And Jesus promises he will get justice where justice is deserved. You can trust him. We don't have to count the grain. We don't have to sit there and fret over, oh, is it enough? Did I push it down enough? Did I shake the container enough? No. Jesus says, give. And in the measure that you give, I'll dump more in your lap. You know, I want to say this because people really get nervous. Like, oh, man, you're, you're preaching name it, claim it, right? I don't actually think you get more. I think you need a lot less. Now, come on. You with me? I think what happens when we're so generous is we all of a sudden go, I don't need what I thought I needed. You know the freedom of not needing things? I think that's the measure that gets poured in our laps. I think that's the generosity that grows as we go, oh, I have more than I need. I can't wait to give some more away. You want my shirt? You want my coat? Here's my shirt. Try it out. No, don't do that. I'm kidding. But you should try it out. Maybe it's not your coat or your shirt. But I mean, what if we, here's the question for our two minutes today, right? We've been talking about so what, so I'll finish. I'm done. I'm done meddling in your lives. Here we go. Here's my question. We're going to take two minutes of silence. Here's the question. Do you trust Jesus or not? That's the question. That's the question here on the table today. Do you trust him to be the judge or not? Do you trust him to get justice for you or not? Do you trust him to give you everything you need? I mean, just pour it in your lap or not? Lent starts in about 10 days. And all God's people say, (laughs) Lent starts in about 10 days. And it is a time where we fast, we put down things. And we come to the cross and we confess and we repent. We're going to do all of that. But before we get there, let's take two minutes of silence today and just ask, God, do I trust you? Would you search me and know my heart? Would you reveal any way in me where I have got, I am living by a different standard than your kingdom standard? And would you show it to me so that I would be fast to shed that weight and bring it to the cross? You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We offer all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.